Kurt McCutcheon. It was all planned. You know, part of the so, Ken Bebe! You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Yes, su nombre. Yes, sus hijos. Come on, Sister Lisa. How many years now? So, again, it goes, it goes, Cristo, Gloria, la Victoria. Leah, you ready? Here we go. Ken Bebe! Yes, su nombre. Yes, sus hijos. Said the word was joy this morning, right, guys? So it's just so good to be home. When I first came in here, that was the word. We were just praying in the spirit in the morning. The Lord gave the word joy. The Lord gave me the word home. And it's just, it's just so wonderful to be home this morning. Um, looks like we brought you guys the, 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 real, the uh, weather from uh, Jerez. It says it's been like in the 80s. It's going to be like that all this week, right? But then Dad told me that you guys are actually not only pray against the storms, they're praying against the hot weather, and that actually worked too. So I guess it wasn't me. Oh, well. Give him all the credit. Come on now. But because down there, as I've told you guys before, I mean, July on, it, those rains come. It's 75 every single day. It, it almost rains so much, you're almost like praying against the rain a little bit. But, you know, but not so much, right? So anyway, um, uh, we, we just wanted to share a little bit about what the Lord's been doing down there in, in the ministry in Sembrador de Cristo. Continue sowing. That's the name of the ministry. Sowers of Christ. And that's what we do. Um, we sow the seed. We water the seed, make disciples, and then continue on. I'm doing the same over and over and again so that whole vast area can receive the gospel. Amen? The Great Commission can be fulfilled. That's the idea, right? Not just decisions and disciples. So um, at the actual church itself, uh, we're still renting in this little, small, little, tight uh, little pl- uh, garage. I literally have to disconnect the keyboard just so I can go back there and play. That's how, that's how tight the space is. Amen? All one family. We love each other, right? <laughs> so you can join us and pray for that. We're looking at either uh, purchasing a property to actually just build the, the church from ground up or at, and, and at this time also to rent a, a larger facility. So um, and our, the visions has come through that it would be a centralized church and people would come from the uh, outlying villages that we've worked in for years. That's actually happening. Amen. They don't they don't they don't come every week, but they, if they can come every other week, the kids club, the Lord continues just to work on that. We're still working in that. Uh, I think I should in, in February, we're about to launch in, in April um, a new kids club in uh, a new colonia. They call it the, the Cinco de Mayo. They call it the, the Salem of, of Gomorrah of Jerez. Amen. <laughs> all the drug, uh, all the drug stuff going on, all the prostitution, all just all the crime and violence in that area. And so uh, we're just praying that through the children that the that the, the parents will always come to Christ as well. Amen. None of the other pastors there want to want to touch that colonia. So someone's got to go, guys. There are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children, not just children, just, uh, you know, y- youth. We always tell the people, the kids close for all ages. Let the children come unto me. Zero to 90, 100, whatever it is. Amen, folks? Come on now. So we're also looking about, about getting a tarp because we need a tarp to put up so we can, when, you know, when the rain's coming. It seems to always come in the afternoon, so we have to, you know, go hide under the bush or go jump in the, in the van real quick while the, it, while the rains come through and come back. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So that's exciting. The, the ministry is growing. The, the family is growing. The, um, the worship team consists of myself and these two young, young children at the right of my wife, my right. Shalom. Amen. Shalom, our keyboardist, Nehemias, our drummer. Hallelujah. Myself on guitar and lead. And then we have uh, three, uh, three vocalists that are actually leading right now. So um, 
it's growing. Praise the Lord. We continue to teach them, and that's what it's all about, to teach others to make disciples and then for them to continue on. And so all those things are happening, guys, and you guys are all part of that. It's just exciting. My wife, one of the other visions she has with one of those tent meetings is to just do revivals all over the city. No one's doing anything like that in our area, and it's just time. Just this, it, revival, it's time for revival. Amen? A little joy up in there. A little revival action for, for Jerez. Amen? Lord Dios. So um, the neighbor actually loans us the electrical output, and that, you're like, oh, that's no big deal. But actually, it's a pretty big, big deal down there. So we actually can actually plug in and, you know, pump up the music, pump up the jam, you know. Get a little noisy. You know, we do that around down there as well. Amen? <laughs> get a little excited, right? That, and so um, it's, it's just it's, it's amazing. It, those kind of testimonies are like, you're like, well, that's okay. But it, for us, it's like big, it's big stuff that like the neighbor would even allow, allow us to, um, to hook up and they, they don't complain or not mad that we're there because that's actually what happens a lot. There's just so much opposition to the gospel and, and, and any kind of Christian anything, Christian presence, Christian preaching, Christian anything is normally like totally, eh, stay away from that. So it just, it just shows how the faith of the Lord. The Lord's just been working, giving us favor. And we're just declaring that guy for Christ as well. So when, when we first time we went over there, uh, I, I had me and my two assistants do a, one of those Jericho marches <laughs> around around the perimeter of the court. And even my two assistants were like, are you crazy? <laughs> I, we've never done anything like that before. Amen. Nothing like something new, right? You know, just the locals that were watching, there's like, what in the world are those crazy uh, fanatics doing? But we just know that the power of prayer is real. Amen. And just like they were uh, when prophesying over Ms. Morgan, just those strongholds coming down. Amen. Hallelujah. We just see, we're just seeing that happen. So praise the Lord. Um, you know, we, as you guys know, we don't just take care of uh, folks' spiritual needs down there. You know, if there's physical needs, then we, we attend to it. But more blessed to give and to receive. And there's just so much need. Rice and beans, clothes, you know, that's one of the main things that we help out with people down there. Uh, we're going to do the backpacks again this year. So a church in Del Rio, Texas actually uh, supported that for that, to take the backpacks down there. And so, um, amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, and the, 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 the mission in the mountains, the one called Mesa Palmira, I may have told you guys last time about the Lord is really working. I think we actually have more, a few more people, um, if you want to call them that, classifying members, attendees, <laughs> that go that, to that one than the actual, actual church itself. We're just like about 30 people in a little little garage right now in, in, uh, in Jerez, but about 35 up in the mountains. Um, it's that one I've told you about. We've been kicked out three times in El Plateado County. Amen. And, but then after that, the Lord uh, opened this new door an hour farther through the, the dirt roads. <laughs> this area is totally controlled by the drug cartel. All right. So a guy comes out. Amen. I like that. He's like, amen. <laughs> a guy comes out on, in, in a crutches. He's armed with a pistol on the side. And he comes out, and he just kind of checks the people going through. And so um, they've already told us, tell those people that they're good, they have permission, they can go through. And so praise the Lord for that, you know. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you know. If his cloud of his presence carries us through and covers us, then, then that's it. We're in his will. That's the best place to be, right? But anyways, so we always go, when we go through, we, we uh, make sure we confirm a bag with a Diet Coke. That's his request, a Diet Coke and some some chips, and a banana. Amen? But now the, the guy actually, the gentleman actually asked for a Bible, so that's even better, right? Amen? <laughs> so that's what I call that one, Mesa Palmira, our ends of the earth mountain mission. Two of those actually guys that are involved in that, uh, that particular cartel actually have attended services 
and pr- profess to receive Christ. Amen? When you come in there on, at the edge of the village, there's always somebody with a radio. But like I said, they've already said, tell them they're good to go. And uh, I, I tell my people, I'm like, you know what? Leave any of your fear and your anxiety before we go. Don't take that. Don't take that one. Make sure you come up ready and fast in prayer. If we take any of that fear, that worry with us, guess what? The enemy can detect that, and that's going to affect the whole, the whole team, the whole sphere of influence, the whole uh, you know, effect that we can make that day. And so and the Lord's just been moving mightily. Recently we had this, this amazing service. We always have amazing service. It's always amazing. It's always going to be amazing, right? The Holy Spirit shows up, right, folks? Amen? But uh, for the first time in that location, we saw we just had this real uh, specific, a specific downpouring of the spirit, if you want to call it that, where there were some folks, bab- you know, baptizing uh, with evidence of speaking in tongues. And that was just amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Three people were healed with uh, a leg pain, knee pain. I can't I'm trying to remember the other one, but you just you get so used to the Lord doing those kind of miracles that you just I, I was like, baby, what's the third one? What was the third one? Amen. Because that's what the Lord promised. He said to do. He's going to continue doing. Amen. Healing people, setting people free. And we did this awesome baseball camp after years. I know you guys had uh, heard about us doing a baseball camp before, some other places. But the Lord just really opened the doors for us to have, have a team from Owasso, Oklahoma, to go do a, another one, baseball camp in, uh, in Mesa Palmira. And uh, it was just, it was great because the, the, the parents, the fathers went, they showed up. They actually helped us out with the drills and that stuff. First, they were like, are we not going to do scrimmage? I'm like, well, it's, it's a baseball camp. But they never heard anything like that, so, you know, they just thought we were just going to, like, have a scrimmage or something. So we actually, you know, tossed them, actually made them run, run around the perimeter. They're like, what? <laughs> but, but it was great because not only did we have a baseball camp, not only we did, did we give them uh, a, a bat, a ball, a glove, each participating member. They love that. Amen. We gave them the most important thing, the Word of God. Amen. First base, receive Christ. Amen. Second base, get baptized. Third base, become a disciple and teach others to become disciples. Amen. And then fourth, home base, we know what that is. Amen. Heaven home, baby. Come on now. Woo! Lord, Eddie else. So, you know, we're just, we just we just want to want to do is we want to, we want to, like Pastor Shiji was saying, we want to make an impact. We want to make some kind of impact. If it's a, if it's a heavenly impact, it's going to be a great impact, right, on the culture, the people. Pray for that that work as well. We just we're just believing that the owner of the Adobe building where we hold the services, that either he'll just give it, you know, donate the the building and property to the kingdom of God, Amen, the church, or he'll sell it at, at a fair price. So uh, we're just believing for that as well. We're just seeing these things happen. That as you guys know, we just oh, oh, year after year of year we come here give a report, and a lot of places we had to shake the dust of our feet, but now we're just really seeing that the Lord has really um, honored our work, the fruit. That, that we've born and this this fruit is remaining. Amen. It's going to bear and make more fruit and disciples and, and and all that stuff. So it's right now, you know, we have this just amazing family the Lord has brought in on the team. You know, we don't call it a committee, we call it a team. We're a t- we're a family. Amen. Just like here in NCF, just a family. No committees, you know, no opinionated people, just people that love one another and 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 want want to get some stuff done for the kingdom. Amen. And so we got just amazing, this amazing family right now. They're taking care of the, of the church while we're up here. Uh, the kids club even went all the way up to Palmita. We had actually had a wedding as well. We had just had a wedding up there last, uh, uh, last Saturday for the first time. It's just tons of couples that live together, what you call, would call common law. And so um, 
now they're all into, oh, that was pretty neat, a Christian ceremony. We like that. We'd like to do the same. So, And some of those people already expressed they want to be baptized, which is a big thing down there. It's a big state. I mean, that's, that's the whole turning your back to your old lifestyle, your old religion, and everything. It's just a, a new creature and everything. It's a, re- it's a big step. It's a really big step. And so a lot of those folks have said we want to be baptized. So um, praise the Lord for that. Amen. So anyway, just keep, you know, just keep praying for us and uh, we're just going to keep going forward. You know, we really believe that that the Lord's going to open the doors for that property. Like I said, you know, to purchase a property and build a church at, right there in Jerez. And uh, my, you know, my kids were just we're just there just together. Always we're family doing everything, uh, you know, together, everything we do together, every kids club, every every service, every mountains, uh, you know, travel day. <laughs> Everything, we're just there together, and just uh, the Lord just, the Lord's just been good. I was just, I'm just reflecting on His goodness on the way up here, and just that's all I can say is to sum it up: God has been good. God has been good. God has been faithful. Amen. We have this amazing rent house that the Lord allowed us to uh, live in now, and that's two blocks away from downtown. You guys are gonna love it from the gazebo, just right over there. It's sweet. Amen. Just a uh, spacious place. A spacious. The Lord had just told us He's gonna bring us out to a spacious place, uh, and He did. He has done that, the greener pastures, amen. Now we have enough room to house the teams and uh, have a room that can, I can specifically just use for music training to train my, my future musicians. And uh, so it's just, it's just amazing. Pastor? Gracias. Kim Bibi! All right, well, we're going to continue the message that I started last week. Uh, last week it was called, Tis the Season to be Fruitful. Today it's called, Tis the Season to be Fruitful, Part 2. <laughs> Took me a long time trying to figure out that title for today. But we're going to talk about being fruitful. You know, as I mentioned last week, this is a, a transition time right now. And naturally speaking, we're about to transition from summer to fall, to vac- from vacation to going back to school. Um, people moving here, t- uh, moving out of state to Stillwater for jobs. And, and so there's people that are getting new jobs or people who are getting laid off jobs. Uh, people who have been in, in certain ministries for a long time and maybe they're not involved in that ministry anymore. Maybe you're being involved in a new ministry there's all kinds of transition happening, different seasons that you, you find yourself in. Uh, some people find themselves in a season of uh, maybe you're taking care of a loved one uh, who's having some serious health challenges, and so you find yourself in a season of, of that's your, your priority, your main ministry that the Lord has you uh, focused on right now. But whatever season we find ourselves in right now, The one thing is, is we can be sure of, is that the Lord wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to bring glory to His name, even in a difficult season. And today I want to talk about um, how to be fruitful. Last time I I shared some things, some ideas or or key points surrounding fruitfulness, and I'm not going to repeat those, because if I start trying to talk about that, I'll end up preaching that message again, and I have some things that I want to share today. So uh, if you weren't here, well, even if you were here last week, I would highly recommend you reading, or excuse me, not reading, but listening to the podcast from last week um, so you can get part one and, and hear some of the concepts that I shared. Today I'm going to share 
three practical ways of how to be fruitful in our current season. How to be fruitful. I'm going to share three very simple keys so it's not very complicated. It's not this high level of revelation that you need to get a hold of and, and be afraid that you're going to miss. It's very simple but very impactful if we apply these three keys. But first of all, what does fruitfulness look like? What does fruitfulness, fruitfulness look like? It looks like answered prayer. You know, when you pray and your prayers are answered, that's one thing that that fruit looks like. Number two, bringing the kingdom to a person or people through answered prayer. When you're praying on somebody's behalf and their prayers are answered or the prayer that you prayed for them, whether it's through healing, like we got to hear from the young lady who shared uh, uh, praying for the lady at Chick-fil-A last week. They prayed for a a young girl and she experienced the physical manifestation of healing right there in the break room. That girl got to experience the kingdom through the two young ladies that, that prayed for. Fruitfulness also looks like loving people sacrificially. Loving people sacrificially. You know, Jesus said, no greater love is there than this, that you lay down your life for your friend. That you're willing to lay down your life for people. And sometimes that may look like you physically dying for somebody, but for the most part, it looks like you putting aside your dreams and desires, your, what you want to do, you're putting that on hold to minister and take care of somebody else. No greater love has he than this, that he'd be willing to lay down his life for his friend. Another area of fruitfulness is people's lives being impacted or influenced through you. God wants people to be impacted by your life even if you find yourself currently in a difficult circumstance or season. And the last thing, the character of Jesus being developed in you. He wants his character developed in us. And that's what fruitfulness looks like as well. So three things. How to be fruitful in your current season of life. Number one, abiding in him, abide in him and his word, abiding in you. In other words, spending time with Jesus and his word. The Word of God has to be the final authority in our lives. Our lives need to reflect what His Word says. You know, unfortunately, there are many Christians that are being tossed to and fro and, and their opinions are being, uh, their, their mindset and their beliefs are being transformed by the world. Because you... you They hear things, whether it's on TV or whether it's in conversations at work or whatever arena, you hear all this stuff, you read all this stuff that makes a lot of sense logically, but it's contrary to God's word. But because we're giving ourselves and listening to this stuff and we're not refreshing and being washed by the word of God, we're not being solid and reminding ourselves and knowing what the word of God says. And be, if we're not doing that and we're allowing and we're hearing all this stuff, then, then we're being, instead of being transformed, we're being conformed. And too many Christians, you know, as you, as you listen to them as they talk and everything, and it's like, how can you agree with that or how can you believe that? That is totally contrary to what the Word of God says. And so because people, their mindset and their belief system lines up with the way of the world, their fruitfulness is going to be very diminished. Very diminished. We're going to be very 
We're not going to find ourselves in a situation or the, with the ability to help people, to set them free. And see, that's what people need. They don't need an argument. They don't need your opinion on world events or these, these, these things. They need the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you to set them free. I believe that you and I are supposed to be an opportunity for people to be impacted by him. We are supposed to be an opportunity for people to be impacted by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're supposed to be that opportunity. In other words, when people encounter you, and this is one of my, my regular declarations, when people encounter me, they encounter the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. When people encounter me, their hope level rises. When people encounter me, they will leave me encouraged. And as I make those declarations, I find myself lining up in that direction. I'm finding that situation coming to pass. And that's what he wants for all of us. We are supposed to, and we get the privilege of being people's opportunity to encounter the kingdom. Amen? But if we are lining ourselves up with and filling our mind and our soul with the thoughts and the opinions of the world, it's not going to happen. And so, Jesus is inviting us. Oops, it timed out. Check this out. In verse 7 of, of John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, it says, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. So right here we're seeing he desires for us to bear much fruit. And he says, by that's how you prove that you're my disciples. Well, what, is the, what does the fruit look like? He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Let's read this in the, in the NLT translation. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. What brings glory to God is answered prayer. When you ask for things and he answers it and people see that, that glorifies the Father. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men. Let it shine. Let it shine before men in such a way, so there's a way to do it. In such a way that they see your good works and they glorify the Father. Jesus is inviting us into, into the kind of relationship where people see you and they freak out and say, what the heck is going on? I can't, I've never seen that before. I've never seen such love and compassion. I've never seen, I mean, I pray and maybe one out of a thousand are answered because it's probably just coincidence. But man, when you pray, things happen. You know, an older lady that I've never even met prays and breaks or declares and breaks the heat dome over Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> See, that kind of stuff fires me up. But people believing that when Jesus says, you shall speak to that mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea, and you shall believe and not doubt, and it shall happen. The things you ask for, you shall have. Jesus is inviting us into that type of relationship because he wants to see our desires, our prayers answered 
whether it's on behalf of us or on behalf of people, and people see that and they glorify the Father. See, everybody prays. You hear things on Facebook or see things on Facebook. Pray, pray, pray. I mean, even the atheists are telling you to pray. Everybody prays. Everybody prays. I don't know who some people are praying to. But unfortunately, everybody prays, everybody prays, but we don't see a lot of answer to prayer. And it's kind of a shotgun thing. You pray a prayer and you hope something happens. But Jesus is wanting to glorify himself through your life. By when you pray, answers happen. Amen? And he said, abide in me, hang out with me, stay with me, be with me continuously. And as I shared last week, I used to think that looked like having a quiet time with Jesus every day. Where I would, you know, I'd get my Bible and I would pray, I would worship, I would read and do those things. And then I'd be done, whether it was 30 minutes, whether it was an hour, whether it was an hour and a half or whatever. And I'd finish that, and then I would go to school, go to work, whatever I did. I had my time, and I'm good, and I'm on my way, doing my thing. But I believe what abiding looks like, I need you again, Chuck. Let's give it up for Chuck. See, this is what abiding looks like, I believe. Okay, remember, I'm Jesus. Remember? I got confused last time. I'm Jesus. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> this is Chuck. This is what abiding in Jesus looks like. He's, listen, you got to walk with me now. Right. He's, we're walking together throughout his day. He's working. He's a, a software engineer or something like that. Something like that. Something like that. And uh, as, he's, as he's walking throughout the day, as he's working, as he's shopping, as he's doing, we're hanging out together. This is what abiding looks like. Not him spending, just spending time with me in the morning and then leaving me at his house and he goes to work by himself. But him taking me with him everywhere he goes. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Now, let me ask you this. Which is more important? To have that quiet time in the morning with Jesus or to spend time with him throughout the day? Which one's more important? Who says throughout the day? Who says the time in the morning? Where were we at, Teresa? What'd you say? Thank you. I set you guys up to make you think I was wanting one answer. The real answer is both. It is important for us to spend time in the morning with him, reading our word, because we need to have that undistracted time. See, it's okay. Now, I love when I drive to Oklahoma City or Tulsa or where I'm driving long distance, I love that time because I love to pray, I love to worship, I love to have that time where I'm just talking to the Lord. However, it's not undistracted because if I get too caught up in the heavenly realm, I'm going to be in heaven pretty soon. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Probably because my car's going to run off the road or, or whatever. So I have to pay attention. I have to stay focused. He wants me to stay focused, right? Yeah. To the road. So that's not undistracted time, but that time is important. However, it is important to have undistracted time where I can just focus on his word, I can just focus on him, and I don't have to worry about anything around me. Both of those, I'd call, I'd call it quality time and quantity time. 
Quality time, that intimate, one-on-one, undistracted, face-to-face interaction. Let's call that quality time. Quantity time is when you're going through work and you're doing your job, you're greeting people, you're doing things, so you're not able to be totally focused on Jesus, so you're hanging out together. But that's quantity time, that's time. And let me ask you this, which would, which would your husbands, which would your wife prefer? Quality time or quantity time? Ladies? Okay, ladies, what's the answer? Thank you, both. I mean, if you think you can just get away with taking your wife out to dinner once a month, or taking her on a cruise once every 10 years, or just, you know, whining and dining her every once in a while, and you think that's okay, ask her if that's okay. I mean, she wants the quality time where you're hanging out together, but she also wants the quantity time when you're just being together. And you may not even be talking, but you're hanging out in the same room. You're sharing the same space. Sometimes Lisa and I can be driving, if we're driving for hours, and none of us are saying a word. But we're being energized with each other, just hanging out together. Sometimes I'm watching a game, football, and Lisa's sitting right next to me in her chair, and she's oblivious to what's on the screen. And I'll say, oh, honey, because of the DVR, you know, you can rewind. i say, honey, you got to see this play. So I'll rewind the play. And she'll watch the play. And she'll say, ooh, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and she means it. And whether she means it or not, I'm energized. Because it's like, yeah, wasn't that awesome? Watch, watch, this, watch this guy flip through the air, honey. What, you know? But just being together. So being, if you want to have a great marriage, quantity time plus quality time is a must. Same thing with Jesus. And he wants us to have the kind of relationship to where we can ask anything we desire and he grants it. Remember that, what I shared last week. Jesus is calling us out of being a servant and into friendship. Close friendship. I mean like best buds, BFFs. You know, Jesus wants to be your BFF. Is it best friends forever? Yeah, I said that right. Sometimes I'm trying to use young terminology and I get it all messed up. So. And so it's important that we spend time with him, carve time with him on a regular basis. If your lifestyle or, or if you don't have time, if you don't make time for Jesus, then what's going to happen, I guess I better read it probably comes across better if I read it. If your lifestyle or schedule does not accommodate him, then at best you'll be engaged in a lot of good works. A lot of good works birthed out of your own soul and your efforts, and at worst you're just living your own life. We as Christians, we can do a lot of good things. People out there don't need your good things. They don't need you being nice. You know, when I started going to the police, to the law enforcement and hanging out with them and, and serving them and everything, and I, was, I could tell I was getting a reputation of being a nice guy. People, you know, were making, building a relationship, building trust, and, and I was gaining friends and that kind of thing. And I could tell people, thinking, man, CJ, you're just a nice guy. And the Lord reminded me. He said, son, I did not call you to go out there and be a nice guy. 
Now, he didn't say I called you to be mean. He didn't say that either. <laughs> but he was reminding me that he didn't call me just to be a nice guy. Being a nice guy is not going to set people free. Being a nice guy is not going to bring the kingdom. Now, being a nice guy or a nice gal is a good precursor to other good things. So we want to be nice. If, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He said, I didn't call you to be a nice guy. I've called you to bring my kingdom. People need to receive and be impacted by his kingdom. If I'm not spending time with him, if I'm not making room for that, then what's going to happen is I'm just going to be a nice guy. I'm just going to do good works, good things that's going to be birthed out of my soul. And then what can happen is I'm doing those things for my benefit so people can pat me on the back and say, oh, you're such a nice guy. Look, we're so lucky to have you and that kind of thing. And it's not really helping anybody. See, because it's the supernatural element that they need, and that's only going to come through my union with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So this one right here, this is, is the game changer, spending time abiding in him. You know, we're talking about three, three things to be more fruitful. This is a numero uno, and it's the most important one. Spending time with Jesus. Spending time with him. Because when you get accustomed to his voice, and so when you're talking to somebody and they have a challenge or situation, maybe they have a question and you don't have a clue of the answer, but the Holy Spirit says, tell him or tell, him, tell her this. All of a sudden you say something and it's exactly what they needed. Maybe it was the answer they needed. Maybe it was a word of knowledge to break their hearts wide open. And see, that's not going to happen through just being a nice person. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, look for the needs that people have. Look for people's needs. So how can I be fruitful in my current season? First of all, I've got to abide in Jesus. His word abides in me. Number two, look for people's needs. Look for needs. Look for needs. How can I serve? How can I serve? How can I serve? Versus what can I do so people will like me? What can I do to become more popular? What can I do so that people pat me on the back and say all these nice things about me? It can't be about me. It's got to be about how can I serve and meet people's needs. So look for the needs that people have. Ask Holy Spirit to show you the needs he would like you to address. It's all about serving people, not about building my ministry or kingdom. And it's not about just preaching to people, but serving people. Because, see, we can get to where, I, man, I can just build this friendship with this guy, then I can tell him about Jesus. I can share the Romans road, or I can tell him all this kind of stuff, and I'm looking for my opening so I can share my stuff. That's not what it's about. What are their needs, and, Lord, how can we meet those needs? What are their needs, and how can we meet those needs? You know, the Lord shared something with me last year, and I've shared this before. He said to me, those who love well will have the greatest influence. Those who love well will have the greatest influence. When you just love people, now we're not loving them so we can influence them. That's not the message. It's loving them, period, and then they will open their hearts and invite you to influence them. Just loving people. And watch what happens. I'm amazed at the circles I find myself in. It's just mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. 
Even if you're limited because of health issues or physical challenges, there are still ways that you can serve people effectively. We might think, well, my circumstances don't allow me to love people well or to serve people. I can't make a difference in people's lives because of the circumstance I'm in. I heard a story years ago, and I believe uh, it was Pastor Dale who shared this story. I'm not sure, but it, it really encouraged me. There was an elderly lady who was, because of her health and age, age and all that, she was put in a nursing home. And typically people think we're in a nursing home, it's over. I just wait here to die and go, go to be with Jesus. But this lady thought, okay, Lord, what can I do now? How can I serve you? How can I make an impact? So she got the idea, probably birthed through the Holy Spirit, and she started writing letters to prisoners, letters of encouragement to prisoners. They started getting saved. They started getting their, li- their lives started turning around. They were encouraged. They were highly impacted, influenced through this woman who was in a nursing home. I thought, wow. If she didn't have any excuse, I don't have any excuse. It's like, Lord, what, what do we want to do today? Whose life can we impact today? You know, it's interesting. Because of technology... Oh, yeah, here's my technology right here. I was like, where's my technology? Anyway, because of technology, you know, we can, we can fuss about this and say, man, this is, and this does cause a distraction. There, there's all kinds of problems and challenges that technology is brought to our society. But it's here to stay. Technology is. Facebook is here. All these things that many of us like to rant about. But my thought is, okay, since we've got technology, how can I utilize this for the kingdom? And I feel like the Lord will give me a word for somebody, a word of encouragement, and say, hey, why don't you text so-and-so, and just boom. I'm like, send. Remember last night, was it last night? Yeah, it was last night. I thought about one of my sons. I was working on my sermon. I mean, I was working on my preach for today. And I got interrupted by Holy Spirit. And he said, why don't you send your son an encouraging word? Send it to him. And then he blew up my phone this morning. Oh, Dad, oh, my goodness, I can't. I mean, it just really, timely word in the right time. This blew him up. Don't limit yourself to how you can impact people's lives. You know, I find that words of encouragement, words of encouragement can be some of the most powerful weapons of warfare to set someone free. Just showing somebody, you know what, I see you, I recognize you as a person, and you're amazing. You're awesome. I mean, tell the, the lady at the cashier um, the, at the checkout, or a waitress, or, wait, or, or a girl or a guy in the window of McDonald's at the drive-thru. And I love to tease them, because they're, they're used to people being mean to them, griping at them. And I'll say, uh, like yesterday, um, the girl was handing me my stuff, and I said, excuse me, uh, oh, I was going to pay her. That's what it was, it was paying. I said, excuse me, before I pay you, can I tell you something? And she kind of looked at me like, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. And she said, yeah. And I said, you're doing a great job, by the way. That's all. Of course, like, what? She wasn't expecting that. But we have someone inside of us who just wants to 
just mess people up with his love. And see, when we spend time with Jesus and, and man, he just gets all in us and his heart and passion for people just get all over us and through us, we can't help but share that with other people. So looking for people's needs. Looking for needs. I remember one of our, our declaration team, as we pray for law enforcement, one of our declarations was and has been, Father, we just pray that they, they're going to experience the goodness of God. They're going to experience, the, they're going to become overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Because the Bible says that the goodness of God leads man to repentance. So it's like, you know, we can tell people they're going to, you know, to turn or burn, or, you know, repent or get, you know, we can tell them all that. But when people are overwhelmed by the goodness of God, that's pretty powerful. And so we pray, God, get them with your goodness. Get them, overwhelm them, because they know they don't deserve anything good. We know that, but get them. And then so we pray that, and we declare that, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, how would they know, and how would we know that they're experiencing your goodness? Because a lot of times I hear when good things happen to people, they say, man, I'm, today's my lucky day. And it's like, how would they know this is God? And he said, he told me, find out what their needs are, and begin to minister to those needs, specifically. And so we start, we've offered a love and respect class for law officers and their wives, because marriages are, are, are heavily challenged. And you can imagine that the, the situations that, they, that comes with law enforcement, you can imagine how hard and difficult it is on marriages. And the marriage and divorce rate is, is, is horrible amongst law enforcement. So what's a need? Strengthening their marriages. So what have we started doing? Meeting that need. Building their marriages. And all the amazing things that happen through that. What's another need? Their sleep is all jacked up. Because of the stress, because of the images they see, because of their, their sleeping patterns, you know, if they're having to stay up all night and all that kind of, all those things, factors, can cause for your sleep to be totally messed up. And so what do we do? We make up a program called Sleep Enhancement Program. Just make it up. And basically, what we are doing is as we get permission from law enforcement, law officers, they give us permission, the declaration team is de making declarations over and praying over them daily and then watching their sleep improve. And with two people already, this has happened. Wow. One of the, the guys that was the worst, found he had the worst sleeping situation he would go three days in a row without sleeping and then crash literally crash and then start the cycle over again and maybe average one or two hours a night when he would sleep and he gave us permission to pray for him Man. and I asked him a few days ago I said so would you say that your sleep has improved any he says well I don't go three days without sleeping anymore And he averages four hours of sleep a night. And all we did was ask for permission to pray for him. Now, see, he knows because I said, now there's a team of people that are praying for you. And I try to do my best to protect their identity. Sometimes I don't do such a good job because I get excited and I slip. But I'm going to do better. But he and, and this other lady, they know that people are specifically praying for their sleep, and all of a sudden, nothing's changed, and I didn't tell, okay, now you need to have a relationship with Jesus. You need to start reading your Bible. You need, I didn't tell him anything. I said, all we want to do is pray for you. 
That's it. He doesn't do anything different, and all of a sudden his sleep pattern changes dramatically. So I would say he's experiencing the goodness of God, and I would say he would say it's not a coincidence. Wouldn't you agree with that? So finding people's needs and just ministering to those needs can make an impact in their lives. And number three, I need to hurry up and get to number three, because this is one of the most important ones besides abiding in Jesus. Number three, follow the grace that he puts on your life. This is the game changer. Follow the grace that God has put in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me, or with me. Paul says, I labored more, I labored more than all the other apostles. But it wasn't me, it was the grace of God in me. It was the supernatural ability that God gave him to do what he did. And we see Paul was a crazy, powerful, awesome man. You know, grace is what gives a family the ability to leave the comforts of America and go live in a foreign country. Like Zacatecas, Mexico. And take your whole family down there. You know, those of us who know Lisa Campbell, you know, she, she's a Stillwater kid. Well, she's not a kid anymore. She grew up in Stillwater, from Stillwater. Very homesick when she'd leave Stillwater. And now she's called to go to Brazil. She's been in Brazil where she's... Anyway, you know the, the story. And she hasn't been homesick. And, that's, and she says her friends know that's crazy. What is that? It's grace. Amen. It's grace. It's, it's the ability that God puts on a person that, that changes everything. That, you know how you see people, you talk to people, and you say, man, I don't see how you can do that. There's no way I can do that. Well, they have grace. Mary and Owen Adams... They live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They were missionaries to India. Now they're back in Oklahoma. Now they're missionaries to drug, recovering drug addicts. They shared with us, me and the elders, they shared just stories and what they're doing, gave us an update. They're doing amazing, wonderful things. And I remember one of the elders said, man, I couldn't do that. That's crazy. That's incredibly hard. It's difficult, very difficult. And they're just seeing, and you guys know Mary and Om. They're just bubbly and laughing, and Mary's always laughing or crying. She's doing one or the other. It's like, Mary, are we happy? Are we sad? We, you know, just a wonderful bundles of joy, just wonderful people. But they have grace on them that which enables them to do what God's called them to do. He's given you grace to do what he's called you to do. That's right. So you have to find where that grace is, and that'll be a clue as to what, where he wants you to serve. Right. right after I got saved, all of a sudden, I'm going to try to tell you the very short version. After I became a Christian, all of a sudden I fell in love with people. Fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with people. I used to love money, but me and money got a divorce, and, and we're still trying to get back together, by the way. <laughs> we, right now, me and money have a friendship. We're not really, never mind, I'm just, so anyway, I got saved, fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with people, and all of a sudden, teenagers, I just had this passion to serve teenagers. I mean, it's like, that's all I wanted to do. So I was given the ability and the open door, Pastor Dale gave me the open door to serve and be the youth pastor for 12 and a half years. And I loved it. I was passionate about it. I had fun. I couldn't wait. Lisa and I just did what we could do and everything. Had a good time. And then I remember one day, 12 and a half years later, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to transition you out of youth ministry. Now, I wanted to be a youth pastor at least until I was 90 because I thought by the time I'm 90, I should be good. I should be a good youth pastor. I should, I should have plenty of experience. And so I'll be able to tell these kids, 
how to really do things. That's what I thought. I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. Twelve and a half years later, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm transitioning you out of youth ministry. And I kind of said, good luck with that. Because I had no intentions of leaving youth ministry. Two weeks later, I was sitting in my office, and it was as though someone came and turned the light switch off. Immediately, I had zero desire for youth ministry. It almost scared me because it was so tangible and it was, so, it was such an experience that it, like, whoa. And then I knew it was, real, it was real when I saw a teenager and I screamed and ran away. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It wasn't that bad. But all of a sudden, the, the passion, the thing that I wanted to do for the rest of my life was gone. But he told me, I'm transitioning you out of youth ministry. See, a lot of times we've been doing something, whether it's a job, whether it's a ministry, whether it's something for a long time, the grace he takes away to transition us into another place, but we don't want to leave because we're so used to this season. So you have many people who are in ministry, and it's time for them to transition out, but they don't want to, whether it's because of money or position or power or whatever, and the grace is gone, and everybody around them knows it except them. When the grace goes, we need to go. We need to recognize, God, where do you... And then so after that, he transitioned me out of youth ministry, and all of a sudden, started just flooding my heart with these ideas. I just had this passion to go outside the walls and just go. Just go wherever in Stillwater. I'd make excuses to go to Walmart. I'd make excuses to go to Lowe's, put some in the basket, and walk around looking for people to pray for and then I put the bread back before I left Walmart because I really didn't need any bread. But just looking for opportunities. And I remember one time Pastor Dill had on his heart, he kept saying, man, God's really putting 40 North on my heart. And he would say this over and over and over. I'm like, amen, praise God. Well, then I recognized something. You guys remember 40 North? I don't know what it's called now. Whispering Springs or Meadows or something. Rolling Hills. What's it called? Stone Gate. Thank you. Thank you. It's still 40 North. But anyway. He, Pastor Dale kept saying, man, the Lord has put 40 North on my heart. I think we're supposed to do something out there. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Well, then one day I realized, wait a minute. That's mine. That's mine. I said, Pastor Dale, basically, give me that mountain. Can I have 40 North? He said, go. So me and a friend of mine, I had no clue what we were going to do. I just knew we were going to go out there and just connect with people. So we got this big 8 by 4 sheet of plywood, and then we painted it. And it was pink, neon pink. And then in black letters it had, need prayer? Come here. And so we had it leaning. We were out by the club area. Remember the club area at 40 North? And we had this huge sign. You couldn't miss it unless you had your eyes closed. And then people started coming by. We started meeting people. We ended up being out there for four years. Just loving people. And it's so funny because I had so much grace on my life because it, it was notoriously bad for a drug drugs and i would encourage our people i said do not go out there by yourself please ladies do not go out there by yourself take some people with you because we'd encourage them to prayer walk we'd encourage them to go out there and meet people i know the elliots wayne and nancy spend a lot of time out there please don't go by yourself but what i do i find myself out there by myself because i got so comfortable and so not afraid i was so unaware of the real danger that was in that place because of the grace that was on me and partly because of ignorance. 
But we just love people out there. We, people got saved. We showed movies. We made up, even, let's see, let's call it dinner and a movie. We'd show gospel movies. We'd give away prizes just to get them to come to the movie, to watch the movie, hear the gospel presentation, eat our pizza, and they'd get saved. And we came away with a number of people, two ladies that are still in this congregation. I see one of them here right now. I don't know if, is Judy here today? There you are. Both of these ladies came from 40 North. 17 years ago, 16 years ago, sorry, it was 2001 when we went. I remember Judy gave her life to the Lord, and Teresa was already a Christian, but I think she got a little more fired up maybe. (laughs) But we just had this grace to serve in this place. So then, so we did that for a while, and then I remember Pastor Dale asking me, he said, CJ, uh, I believe that someday, Lord willing, he's going to want to have you take my place. And I'm smiling, and on any side, I'm like, there ain't no way I'm going to be the pastor. There ain't no way. But he's saying, you know, brother, I feel like God's wanting to do that. And, you know, and so he said, would you, would you pray about being the assistant pastor? And I'm like, no. <laughs> on the inside, but on the outside, I was like, yeah, I'll pray about it. And I had no intention. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I have zero desire to be pastor. And I prayed, and I remember I was wrestling with God, seriously. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do this. And he said, and here's what he said. He said, I'm not asking you to be the pastor. I'm just asking you to be the assistant pastor. Okay, I can do that. He was setting me up. (laughs) I said, yes, I can do that. So I became the assistant pastor. And I said, Lord, what do I do? And this is what he put in my heart. Here's where the grace came upon me. He says, you do everything you can to make your pastor successful. So then it was like, Pastor Dale, what are, we, what are you wanting to do? What, I'd find out what was in his heart, and that's what I would do. I had passion. And every time I'd get discouraged and forget what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, time goes on, you know how you get discouraged and that kind of thing. And I'd, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. What am I supposed to do? And he'd remind me, remind me do what you can to make your pastor successful. And then I'd get re-energized again and just serve Pastor Dale. Just serve, serve, serve. And I remember one time, and then every once in a while, Pastor Dale would say, you know, I, I feel like the Lord's wanting you to take my place someday. I'm like, it ain't gonna happen. And I remember one day I was watching, I had this revelation. I was watching football. And I felt like the Lord showed me who was supposed to be the pastor of this church. I turned the game off, or I paused it. I didn't turn it off, that's not. I paused the game, and I started thinking, I thought, that makes so much sense. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So I couldn't wait. I went to tell Pastor Dill, I know who's supposed to be the pastor. I got it. And I began to share about this man, how, and I began to, like I was this man's lawyer, explaining to him why he's supposed to be the pastor of this church. Can I explain to him? And he said, hey, why don't you share that at the next elders meeting? Couldn't wait. Went to the elders meeting, and I began to share. And I remember uh, Steve and Sam Gunner. I remember their faces vividly, because I'm sharing, because I, I almost duped Dale, but, I, but, but these guys, I was sharing and, and just passionate about how this man was supposed to be the pastor of New Covenant Fellowship. And then after I finished my presentation, I thought I was going to get a standing ovation, and they would say, praise God, brother, hallelujah, Jesus has spoken. They didn't do that. They just looked at me, and I remember Sam looking at me, and it's like, well, brother, we'll pray about it. I'm like, 
What do you mean? You know, and it was, I could tell it was kind of that tone, like, well, we'll pray, but we don't agree. You know that? You know how you do that to people? I'll, I'll pray about that. Like, there ain't no way. And I, could, I felt that attitude-ish, you know, like, we'll pray, but I could tell they were not in agreement at all. As soon as I left the, left the office and I went downstairs, all of a sudden, I had this sick feeling come over me. And the only, way I can descri- only thing I can describe it mentally, it was as if I had taken my firstborn, my son, when he was born, let's say Trey was born, and I took him and I put him on someone's doorstep, rang the doorbell and ran. Abandoned my son. That's the feeling I had. Come over me. When I went downstairs, after I told the pastors that this other person is supposed to be the pastor, and all of a sudden, grace came on me. And I said, I'm supposed to be the pastor. And then I got mad at myself. I'm supposed to be the pastor of New Covenant Fellowship. And some, it was just, as it, just like when the, the youth grace came on me and it left. As tangible as that was, the tangible grace of God came on me to be pastor. And I said, I am supposed to be the pastor of New Covenant Fellowship. So then I couldn't wait till the next week, the elders meeting, and, and I said, guys, I have something I need to talk to you about. And I said, I'm supposed to be the pastor of the Covenant Fellowship. And they said, we knew that. We're just waiting for you to get it. <laughs> Before the grace came upon me, I had zero desire to be pastor. You know, I know some people, when, when they hear my story, you know, I started as a youth pastor, because it's kind of a logical progression. You start in the children's church or the youth, you work, and then you, you mess their lives up, but you're learning how to do ministry, and then you move on to more important stuff. And you know what I'm saying? How This is how they, we think ministry is supposed to be. You know, you, you take steps. You're, you're, you're transitioning, you're taking steps up the chain. It's like, that's not, I don't believe that. And so people would think, oh, so you want to be pastor someday? Heck no. No, I have no desire. But the way it happened, I served in that area with all my heart, all my passion, and I thought I was going to do that forever. And then he transitioned me out into another area, and I want to do that for the rest of my life. And see, I was excited about this other man becoming the pastor because then I could serve him just like I did Pastor Dale. See, that's where the grace was. And I was looking forward to it. But then all of a sudden, the grace came on me to become the pastor. And now there's nothing else I want to do. Amen. Nothing else. Amen. So here's the challenge. Find where the grace of God is on your life. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. See, grace doesn't mean, oh man, this is easy. This is a piece of cake. That's not what that means. It's just like when the Lord was asking me if I would be a chaplain for law enforcement, the one thing I was holding and hesitating, I'm thinking, because when they asked me to do that, they said, we need help with death notifications. That means when somebody dies, you go to someone's house and tell their mom how they're never going to see their daughter again. Or how this lady's never going to see her husband again because he killed himself. That's what I get to do. But when I was invited to do that, I'm thinking, God, how in the world, what, how can I do that? Am I supposed to do this? And you know what he told me? He said, son, I will give you grace. And guess what? That's exactly. When I get a phone call at 2 in the morning, 10 at night, 
12 noon, and I recognize the number, and I know what's about to happen before I even answer it. Hello? To CJ? Yes, it is. Would you be willing to assist officer so-and-so? We had a suicide. Tell him I'll be there in 15 minutes. One of the hardest things I've ever, well, ever done, the hardest thing that I do, but I feel so much grace and peace and even joy because I get to serve a group of people and bring the kingdom to them. And it's the hardest thing to explain. The images that I've seen now, the, the situations I find myself in, I've never been in this kind of situations before. Sometimes I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in a movie. I mean, it's crazy. But I love it. Because he gives me grace to do it. Would you stand with me? There is no greater joy to me than serving Jesus. Especially with the joy that he gives us to use to serve people. We are called to love and serve people. We get to love and serve people. And he wants to supernaturally, and he has supernaturally given us his grace to empower us to do things even with joy. So you find yourself in a hard circumstance, a hard season. One of the reasons why the service happened today, that the way it did, it wasn't planned, obviously. Well, he planned it, but we didn't have it planned. Because some of you are in a very difficult season, and you needed to be infused with joy again. Needed to be reminded that your daddy is right there with you, and he's going with you. And he's empowering you to be fruitful in the season that you find yourself in. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the invitation to be your friend, to walk with you, to serve with you, to get to know you. You want us to ask you the things in our heart, and you want to give those things to us. And just, just want to bless us, Father, in crazy ways. And, and you want us to impact, you want to impact people through our lives. Whether it's one person you've called us to serve, or whether it's, it's our children you've called us to serve, or whether it's a whole bunch of people, a classroom, or a department, or whatever. I just encourage you to invite the, the grace of God into your life. And if you're not sure, just ask Holy Spirit to show you. Say, Holy Spirit, show me where the grace is. Because maybe you're, in a, you're tired or you're confused or whatever, but just ask Him to show you where that grace is. And I believe He will. It's not going to be difficult. And many of you already know. And sometimes it's okay to ask for more. Say, Lord, I need you to, <laughs> to give me a boost. Feeling a little tired right now. Father, I thank you that you've called every single one of us in here to be fruitful for your glory. And we submit to you, we recognize the grace, we embrace it, we will not resist it, and we will go forth in Jesus' name for your honor and glory. Amen.